time you're in uh, New York and you think, you know what I should do is walk into a subway tunnel. Well, they're all under construction right now. So, and everyone's angry, but yes, please yes. do. Yes, absolutely. You can do that. So, and you think like, you know what I should do? Walk onto, walk into this subway tunnel right here and look for a geocache. And this one says, you can go down into the subway tunnel and it says, hold on. Keep an eye on the columns. The columns have numbers that identify where in the tunnel you are. The cache is located at number 166. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and and from what I understand, that's between 165 and 167. Well, your math is um, spectacular. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, it's my left brain, mm. you know. So, are you supposed to get there, off the subway to, like... Get this geocache? You know, I'm not exactly sure. This one says, due to the nature of this cache, it should not be done alone, which is probably okay. a good idea. You should leave a, uh, a cache plan, like a map, with somebody detailing where you are. And you need a dependable flashlight or headlamp, which that would look awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you should bring a backup light for safety. This is a dark, secluded area. There may be unknown people here. Oh, dude. <laughs> the subway system in New York, it's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. So Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking is is unknown people. Hmm. From what I remember, um, you know, my experience in the subways in New York, which is movies, hmm. um, you don't want to go down where there's unknown people no, you don't. underground in a tunnel. Nope. It's not they don't have your best in mind, that's for sure. <laughs> they aren't always like Hey, are you looking for a geocache? <laughs> no, no. They, they are not sewer guides to the nearest geocache. That's Excuse sure. me, my good man. <laughs> May I say that's a dandy headlamp? <laughs> are you looking for a geocache? Would you like so. some of my roast rats? I have a fire, warm on the track, and there's plenty to go around. Yes, that's not, that's not, <coughs> that's not the culture. Nope, yes. not at all. May I question you for a small loan? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And the headlamp I shall take as well. Mm. So, so on this one, what do people get if they find their way uh, to platform nine and three quarters? Or ah, in this yes. case, 166. 166, which is, it's a small Tupperware, by the way. Keep that in mind. It's a small Tupperware. And keep that in mind. You, you will get this um, matching set of black coffee cups that I that came from somewhere um, and I think I think we need a picture of these um, these ones right here matching set of black coffee cups uh, gently 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 used, used of course gently used of course as always um, we will send them to you of course well, you send us a, you have to send a shipping and then we will these bad boys are all yours self-addressed stamped box please yes yes empty box Shows up at my house. I'm gonna put both these coffee cups in it, and and as a bonus, I will not wash them. These will be the <laughs> coffee cups used yes. by Josh and Dan. Um, Josh's has creamer residue. Dan's well, black as black nice. as night. Black as night as he drinks his coffee. So that is all good to know. Welcome to geocaching scripture. I'm Dan. I'm Josh, and here we are. Uh, geocaching is this. What is it? So I think it's a rarefied sport. Hobby, something like that, mm. um, of finding these little treasures, uh, whether they're on top of hills where where old Western psychopaths are buried, or, or in the depths of New York City. 
in the depths, in the guts, in the bowels of New York City at uh, 166, remember. Um, this is a place where you're finding these treasures that, that sort of bring dimension into a hike or, or place that you may have been before. It gives us you something to look for. It's a treasure. So what kind of treasures do we look for in Scripture? Geocaching Scripture. We're just looking for, for things that we often miss on our first reading of Scripture. We're looking for like... Grammar. Mm -hmm. Cultural context. Historical situation. All of the above. All of the above that uh, bring out the dimensions and the truths, the tiny truths, tiny treasures, and the big truths. There it is. There it is. Let's go to the subway. There's a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day. At his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The man, poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. And now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between you, us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, lest they come also into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let him hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they hear and be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Luke sixteen nineteen through 31. The rich man and Lazarus. I feel like at the end where they say, like, neither would they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. You should say, like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> say, pl the plot thickens. Bum, bum. <laughs> the, the law and order one. Mm. Bum, bum. <laughs> Executive producer, Dick Wolf. Mm. Bum, bum. Yes, I agree. So the rich man and Lazarus. So this is a, this is a, a common story, I would say, as far as, like, Stories that Jesus told. A lot of people know this one. Yeah, a um, lot of people. Well, because it's so unique. Yeah. Like, so when Jesus tells a parable, usually it's very clearly a parable. He's talking about general things like a, a prodigal son, for instance. There's no reason to believe like that has to be a historical story. But this one, what well, is is Lazarus a real man? Is he not a real man? He, Jesus usually doesn't give names at all to any people in any of his parables. Anyway, right. I think this is one of the reasons it sticks out is because... It seems so close to life. Yeah, and he doesn't say, like, there's a good Samaritan named Steve. Correct. And he yeah. went, yeah, yeah, that is that is true. I never really thought of that. So this one, um, I mean, it's interesting if you look at the characters themselves. Mm. So you have the rich man. The rich man who is there in Hades. Mm. Um, and how does he address Lazarus? He doesn't. Mm. Um, his His whole thing is is to address Abraham, hmm. who he assumes is his as, boy. Is his, yeah, it's, is his owner. I don't want to talk to that, 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 that yeah. Lazarus guy. He's poor. I want to talk right. to the 
I want to talk the to guy. the head guy. Look, yeah. who's in charge? Yeah, here? correct. Let me talk to the guy because in charge. That, that, huh? that, that's clearly my equal. That's clearly my equal. So. Yes, yes, that's right. I, I here, hold my coat while I go talk to whoever. Yeah. And he basically says, "Tell your boy to go and get me something." Mm-hmm. So he's giving orders mm-hmm. from Hades, mm-hmm. uh, which tells us what about him? Yeah. Well, so I think it's really interesting. Oftentimes. And so, like, we're not geocaching Hades or Gehenna or Hell at this point in time, but I think it offers at least an interesting insight into what Jesus believed the psychology of someone in Hades to be. And it's definitely not someone who's repentant, like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, I, 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 I wish I would have made better decisions in life. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the rich man is representative of the psychology of someone who is, uh, you know, condemned, like... It's really interesting to note that, like, in their mind, like, they're still under the influence of fundamentally dysfunctional ways of thinking about themselves and others. Like, this rich man still thinks he's rich, and because of it, he has the right to boss other people around. Mm-hmm. And so it leads you to believe, like, man, if, if, if Hades is, is a real place that Jesus is describing, and the, the people who are there are still under this delusion that they are somehow better than others mm-hmm. they're still caught in some of the, the 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 fundamental yeah i would say dysfunctions of their of of their their way of thinking about the world which then tells you something about the psychology of those who uh are in abraham's bosom or by abraham's side like these are people who have been liberated from some of these sinful ways dysfunctional ways of thinking and so mm-hmm. anyway it's, it's just it's, it's, I think it's, it's an interesting mental exercise without going too in-depth. Again, we're not geocaching Hades in this sense, but it's an interesting mental exercise to think that the, the, the rich man, when he is condemned, he's still under the preconceived notion that he's better than everyone else around him. Well, if you've ever read The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. That's exactly right. Yeah, it would be the people in Greytown who go on a bus to heaven, yeah. and, and they are essentially given a chance to go to heaven or Correct. paradise or whatever yeah. it is, but um, almost all of them turn it down because they would rather be stuck within their old mindset. Yeah, they're, they're so entrapped in their mindset that yeah. they can't actually embrace the promise that heaven is giving them. Essentially took them to hell. Yeah. Um, and, and they walk on the grass, and the grass is too real for mm-hmm. them that cuts their feet. Yeah. Um, and... And it's it's just that's a great story. I mean, really, honestly, pause this thing, go read that, come back, <laughs> um, and that that's that's what I should probably tell you. There we go. Anyway, um, looking at other characters in the story, so Jesus gives Lazarus a name, which is which is interesting. So the rich man, no name, the Lazarus has a name, um, and we don't know if you know that if it's a real person that he's basing this on or something like that. But we do know that he gives him a name. That's the most important action going on here. Which is a reversal of dignity in some ways. And so if you read through this story, you realize that when Lazarus dies, he just dies. The, the rich man is described as dying and then being buried. And in ancient honor-shame culture, like being buried was one of the most important aspects of your human dignity that could be uh, recognized by the people around you. Like this is, this, is, this is what dignified people are. They're buried after they die. Now, in, in battle, was it 
was it part of things to leave your enemies on the ground? Ooh, like leave could, them unburied. Very, you, yeah. It very easily could be. I, I don't I don't know necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do know that in Jewish culture to be left unburied is a horrible act of shame on someone. And it's interesting that Lazarus is never described as being buried, which means the assumed uh, reality is that he was left unburied. And so Jesus, when he gives Lazarus a name, he literally gives a name to the most shamed type of person Mm -hmm. in Jewish society. And so you have this beautiful reversal, I would say, happening in this story. And whose only friends were dogs. Correct. Um, Who by instinct licked wounds. And I looked up, I was reading about this, and there is like... These people got into the science of why dog saliva mm-hmm. actually heals wounds. Um, really? Which is interesting. Yeah. Because it's, and it, and it would have been a, probably a common sight back then, but it would have been a sight that, like you're saying, is one of the most undignified. Absolutely. Like, like just, this is somebody who has no one, mm-hmm. who is worth society-wise nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then... On the flip side of that, you have the rich man who is neck deep in burning manure in Hades somewhere <laughs> <laughs> and thinks he can talk to the boss. Yeah. Um, and Abraham, in his condescension, um, speaks with him, but he says there's a great chasm between you and me. And I think we should call it a chasm. Chasm? Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it, it is interesting, you know, this, this great separation between you and I and the flipping of these roles. Um, mm. And so, another aspect, Josh, that I think is very interesting in this story is that, so the rich man speaks to Abraham, and Abraham responds. He doesn't go get Lazarus. He responds. And so in some way, you could say that Abraham so identifies with this poor man, Lazarus, that he is now brought, you could say in some way, brought under Abraham's identity, protection, and to be, a, a, again, in Jewish culture in the first century, to be a child of Abraham is one of the high, it's the highest privilege you can possibly have. And so you see Abraham so identifying with the poor man Lazarus that he has it as his right to be able to speak for him to the rich man. And in a sense, he's actually defending Lazarus from the illegitimate demands of the rich man. And I think that's just a beautiful picture, again, of the the restoration that happens in the end of all things. Like, in God's eyes, Lazarus, or in Abraham's eyes, Lazarus isn't a poor man. Lazarus is a child of Abraham who will be defended by Abraham in the end of all things. That, that's how uh, uh, associated Lazarus is with Abraham, and that's how connected Abraham is with Lazarus. There's this uh, transferal, you could say, of dignity and worth that's suddenly given to uh, Lazarus, where now Abraham is defending him mm-hmm. from illegitimate claims. I just think that's a beautiful picture. Well, I think it's it's interesting, um, and this is maybe this is maybe uh, a silly example, but this this comes from comes from my life. So mm-hmm. forgive me. Yeah. I'm a cubicle warrior. Uh, <laughs> right now, I'm a remote cubicle warrior, but. Um, this is this is what I do, but I I I I was in a work situation a number of years ago where I had um, a manager who I really respected, mm-hmm. and and he's a young guy, um, but he was over a team, mm-hmm. and he had a gal underneath him that made a mistake, and she's you know very young, just just short of an intern, mm-hmm. and she made a mistake 
on some on some work that she was doing for somebody very high up, one of the executives, mm-hmm. and the executive was mad as mad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something got published in his name that was not should have been or whatever, and and he's ready to go to work on this young gal. Yeah, and the manager jumped in the middle of that and he said, "She works for me. You talk to me." That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and I and I think in in a sense that's it. You know, it's like. You you defend somebody that you care about. Yeah, no, that's somebody, so beautiful, you know, Josh. Yeah. That's amazing. I yeah. love that story. Somebody that you 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 know is part of your team, but not only your team, your family. Yeah, um, and that's just one of those things. It happened a long time ago, but it's uh, it is one of these uh, fascinating stories of of this kind of thing happening in life, and that's kind of what Abraham is saying. You know, like well, because the rich man is so condescending in his mm-hmm. demand of. Uh, I'm thirsty. Get this poor beggar to get me some water. Like th- right. this is this is right. clearly my 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 right to be able to to command this this poor man mm-hmm. for the very sake that he's poor. And Abraham mm-hmm. just steps in between. Yeah, he steps in between and basically says, um, he doesn't want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Or he doesn't he doesn't even ask. You know, hey Lazarus, you want to talk to him? Yeah. He just says he doesn't talk to people. He's, like he's got you. better things to be thinking about right yeah, now. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. talk to people. Like yeah, you. he's not. He's not. <laughs> He's not, he, you know, he ain't, he ain't your people no more. Correct. Um, and and I, that's, that's beautiful. I, I think another interesting aspect of this story mm-hmm. as well is that, you know, Jesus says in verse 25, he's, he's speaking to the rich man and he says, you in your lifetime received your good things, but Lazarus in like manner, bad things. And now he's comforted here and you're in anguish. And I, I think what Jesus is subtly doing is undercutting the evidences in this world of those who God has blessed. Mm. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's really common, even in the health and wealth gospel of today, to say, you got a great car, you got a great suit, you got money in your wallet, clearly God has blessed you. Mm-hmm. And if this parable does anything, it undercuts that assumption that the, the rich surely have God's blessing and the poor surely have God's curse. The opposite, in fact, seems to be true in this parable. And so I think that gives us a, 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 a subtle like reminder uh, that when poor people walk into our churches, for instance, hmm. like, we should never assume these are the people who God has abandoned. It very, actually, it very well might be that the, the well-off in our churches are those who need the most pastoral care because they could be the people who are, who are who are most at risk of inheriting a curse. And I think that's just an interesting mm-hmm. uh, flip of expectation. Well, and that's and that's interesting to me. I mean, the um the rich man is a self-made man. Mm-hmm. He speaks for himself. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. And and here we have Abraham and we have others in in our cloud of witnesses mm-hmm. and in the end Jesus himself who speaks for us yeah. and says, "He's he's with me. Yeah. He's with me." And that's these are the people that I'm looking for. Um, and I think that's that's something. So you are the people that Jesus is with. And it could just very be that one day, uh, in the end of all things, Lazarus is the one who welcomes us into eternity. Pax Humana. Cheers.